This is Off The Bench. The biggest names in Aussie sport are here every weekend. Yeah, they sure are, and welcome to it. Uh, Jason Matthews here for another weekend. As we look at the interviews of the week on Sports Day with Gary Belcher and Scott Sattler. Oh, by the way, Off The Bench uh, next week uh, is back because of... Uh, the footy being back. So Sats and I will be here uh, for you next week looking at the big games of the weekend and also the big rugby league news. Uh, coming up on today's show, though, uh, the West Tigers coach Michael Maguire, Kyle Felt, the winger from the North Queensland Cowboys, Jared Wallace, uh, the Titan, uh, who well, got a big kick up the pants last year from Justin Holbrook. He'll be joining us. But right now, the boys caught up with Adam McDougall, from uh, Manshake throughout the week. Uh, is he the only player ever in the history of the game to, to talk to his thighs before a match? Well, he, he made Andrew Johns. He just <laughs> under 200 NRL games, 11 <laughs> tests for his country, 11 state of origins for New South Wales. And, yes, he did talk to his legs uh, before the game. Don't let me down, he'd say. And we're talking about Adam Mad Dog McDougal. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day, Mad always Dog. A hey, boys, always a pleasure. Urban myth, that, isn't it? It is a myth, but you know the great thing about urban myths is you let them go, mate, and they get better every uh, exactly. every year. So uh, you know, it's like we become better footballers every year that we retired. So uh, you know, there's some certainly some average players that have become great players since they retired. <laughs> yeah, Joey, Joey's run with that for a lot of years, hasn't he? So yeah, I, I think you're right, mate. Just let it let it keep running. It's uh, it's who you are now, Mad Dog. How's how's life for you? Because all we keep seeing now on the sides of buses, ads on TVs, radio, whatever it may be, is. Is the man shake and the lady shake? How's it going? Yeah, look, it's been surreal to be honest. It's, it's something that um, I originally started off to just uh, be a little bit disruptive and bring some more attention around uh, men's health in particular. And you know, unfortunately, lost my best friend from a heart attack at 42. And at that stage, um, he had three young girls, uh, all under the age of six, and um, we were pretty devastated when he dropped dead suddenly from a heart attack from being overweight. And um, you know, when I started looking into what he was trying to do to lose weight at the time, I quickly realised that. Uh, there wasn't many alternatives for blokes out there to get fit and, and lose weight. And there wasn't much education and, and any products out there that uh, really helped guys. They were all just packed with sugar and crap. And, you know, they were really just trying to make a quick buck off the consumer. So um, just thought I'd bring something out and, you know, try to shine some light on men's health in general. And before we knew it, um, we had guys begging us to keep making the product. And that's what we've done. And, you know, I sort of put my house up for mortgage and sold everything I owned and, took a bit of a gamble and, and um, started the man shake. And, you know, we've sort of grown from strength to strength every day and every year. And, um, you know, it's just a great op occupation, a great thing that I enjoy doing every day, getting up and just hearing the success stories about blokes who have lost weight and who are now able to keep up with their kids or kick the footy around for the first time in years or get out of bed and aren't in pain because they've got a sore back from being overweight or sore knees. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really satisfying occupation at the moment, I must admit. Now, you're saying that uh, the loss of your friend was the catalyst, and you're a well-educated man. You've got a university degree as well. But towards the end of your career, Mad Dog, was it always the industry you were going to look at being in as a career? Uh, not, no, not really. I, I suppose, um, you know, I was sort of unsure. Like most footballers, I, I suppose, you're really not sure what you want to do. But, um, you know, I, I quickly come to the realisation when I, I did retire that, um, you know, that it was a sort of a, a big void was the community and the giving back to the community was a big thing. You know, as a footballer, as you guys know too well, you know, the great thing about going out to schools and putting a smile on a kid's face or, you know, going to a coaching clinic and, and, you know, helping people, whether it's visiting kids in hospital or doing charity work, 
that was a huge part of the the thing that um, I found I missed when I first retired. So trying to find another community to help was a, a big focus for me. And uh, falling into health and fitness was something I was really passionate about when I played. So, um, but I was unsure whether or not I was going to work with the general population. I was probably going to more work with elite athletes. And I started going down that path and working with a lot of top performing athletes and even working with some of, you know, the, the different guys in special um forces or whether it was the um, the police or, or different you know fireys and stuff like that starting to do some work around mindset and fitness in that sort of space and then um, yeah just quickly stumbled upon the most needed population which is the general population where the average guy or lady doesn't have any idea about nutrition or exercise or mental well-being so it was a pretty easy sort of transition in the end. So much goes into to running a business a small business that's that's grown into a, a, a much bigger business a salesman marketer You'd have to be part entrepreneur and CEO and manager. What what have you found that you are not good at at all that you need to get help with that you need to pass on to someone else? Um, I think it's been managing my expectations of what other people are able to do. And I think, you know, managing people the way that you speak to them was really different in football. <laughs> you know, I played with some of the, the most... Um, you know, I suppose, honest players in the world, like Andrew Johns throwing his mouth guard at poor old Lee Jackson in grand finals and mm. blokes telling, you know, each other that, uh, you know, one of my favourite stories is Andrew Johns saying to Clint Newton that his dad could catch the footy better than him. And if you know Jack, <laughs> he's only got one arm. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, they're pretty brutal, the guys I played footy with. If you didn't name up, you know, they let you know pretty quickly. And going into the real world where, you know, people are really, like it or not, just collecting a cheque and there's not that same level of, I suppose, investment into the job, that was probably one of the things I struggled with at first was mm. the realization that not everyone's coming to work willing to sort of, um, you know, throw their body in front of a, you know, a bloke twice the size of them, um, you know, to get a result. So that was probably the thing I struggled with the most was, you know, for a lot of people, it's just a job and, and you know, finding that fine balance between the way you speak to them and, and getting the best out of them was pretty hard. You can't, you know, just rip into a bloke like Andrew Johns did and expect, you know, a coworker to respond um, to abuse. So, you know, that was probably the thing I struggled with the most. And, you know, social media was the other big thing as well. It wasn't that big when I was playing rugby league. But then as soon as I got into the entrepreneurial world and the business world, um, there's nowhere to hide social media. You know, if someone doesn't like your product or someone doesn't like you, uh, they're pretty honest about it. So I, I quickly, um, you know, tried to remove myself as much as I could from the social media part of the business because, um, you know, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there and a lot of brave people when they're... Uh, you know, got nobody to speak to face-to-face. Yeah. Face. Yeah, Sean, you weren't here for Sean Garlic, <laughs> your Galo's Pies. We interviewed him and he said exactly the same thing, that managing the expectation of others when you're, you've been so used to being at high octane mm. each and every day as a rugby league player. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Mad Dog, you know, you, you had this great idea and other people have a, a great idea and struggle to actually take the next few steps or to, or to actually d- decide to just throw everything at it as you did. You said you you mortgaged your house for it. What advice would you give to someone who thinks that, look, I've got something here, I'm just not quite sure. What's what's the first step after that? Well, I think the first and most important thing in business is having a passion. And I always say that, you know, people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you really got to care about wanting to solve people's problems and care about the customer. And, and that, that's the truth. At the end of the day, you really want to help, you've got to help people. You know, entrepreneurs, by definition, as far as I'm concerned, is somebody that gets paid to solve other people's problems. So first of all, you've got to have a problem yourself that you think you can solve for yourself. Mm. And then there's got to be an audience that, you know, has that same problem. So, you know, um, there's, you know, definitely that passion and, and you've really, like I use the analogy and I love analogies as a sportsman, but, you know, you've got to be what I call chicken committed, not, um, sorry, you've got to be pig committed, not chicken committed, which means, 
you know, a chicken lays the egg and, and pisses off home at the end of the day, whereas a pig, you know, he is the meat. So, you know, if you're going to go in, you've got to go all in. You've really got to back yourself. And, you know, literally to get people to know what the man shake was, I, I had to sell two houses and, and put up nearly, you know, $4 million worth of money to, to spend on marketing um, just to start to get some traction on our business because nobody knows about your product. There's some great products out there, but if nobody knows about it, they're never going to be able to use it or find it. So you've, you've really got to have the capacity to back yourself and, and really, you know, put the check up and uh, put your money where your mouth is literally and um, understand there's going to be hard days and tough days. And unless you're passionate, you, you're not going to be successful. That's the key. You talk about the, the art of marketing, Mad Dog, and you've used uh, Big Merv Hughes and Paul Ruse in a, a lot of your advertisement. Um, how's that campaign helped the company? Yeah, I think, you know, people you know, can relate to people like themselves. And while they're still sportsmen and whatnot, you know, there's no point, you know, using, um, you know, I suppose guys that are unrelatable to the average guy. And the reason why we picked Merv in particular and, and, and Ruzi is because their brand was somebody that was really honest and somebody that was personable. And, you know, in Merv's case particularly, he's somebody that battles with his weight. It's no secret. And um, he loves a beer. He loves a pie. And, you know, he, he always says that he's a dump truck, not a Ferrari. He's never going to look like a Ferrari. Hmm. And um, that's the reality for most guys. You know, as an athlete, you, you sort of have this sort of, I suppose, distorted lens that you look through and expect everyone to be fit. But when you get in the real world like I did, you quickly realise that, you know, people have got mortgages, they've got bigger priorities than, you know, their waistline. And, um, you know, they don't want to look like, you know, an athlete with a six-pack. They just want to be healthy and not drop dead of a heart attack and still enjoy a beer and still enjoy a burger and, that's the reality is that, you know, you shouldn't become obsessed about what you eat and how much you exercise for vanity reasons. It should be for your health. And you can find a fine balance and still drink beer and have a have a burger and whatnot. And that's the reason why we use them, guys, because, um, you know, they live and die by the analogy that, um, you know, lose the beer gut without losing all the beers because, um, you know, no point you know, paying some social media influencer that doesn't use the product. You've got to have people that actually buy into the product and have succeeded on the product and, we didn't use paid ambassadors for a long time in our business. We just used people who are ambassadors that use the product for free. And, um, you know, um, they were the real heroes of, of our brand. You know, you see the stories now. And, you know, the celebrities are great to have on board. But the reality is, you know, the celebrities don't sell the product. The, the real people, the real weight loss stories are our real heroes. That's why he hasn't used, you know, I know you use the products, Sats, but, you, you know, Six he's talking about using real people yeah. that people can relate to. So, <laughs> Sats, <laughs> hey, can, is it safe to, safe to assume you've paid off the mortgage, mate? Oh, look, we've, we've done pretty well. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, you hear people often say that, um, you know, money doesn't make you happy. Jim Carrey has a great saying that he says, just for one day, I wish everyone was rich and famous um, to realise that they won't be happy. And, you know, financially, I've been blessed. You know, I grew up, you know, like most of us footballers, when I come through, I grew up with four brothers and in a blue-collar sort of family, a two-bedroom unit. There was four of us that shared one bedroom. And, you know, I never aspired to having money or, or being successful, you know, outside of football. But, um, you know, certainly, you know, um, I, I don't have a mortgage now and it's sort of taken some financial pressure. But the biggest joy I get now, as I was alluding to earlier, was some of the stuff we've been able to do with our success, whether it's, being the biggest, you know, contributor to the Mark Hughes Brain Cancer Foundation or whether, you know, I think from memory, I think we're up to 50,000 meals that were provided for kids for breakfast who can't afford eating breakfast every day. So, you know, to be able to sponsor mm. things like food bank and, and, you know, women's shelters where domestic violence, where the ladies shake and being able to give back to them sort of causes, which we don't talk too much about, um, has been really satisfying for me, you know, because as I said, I grew up in you know, money wasn't a drift for most of us, as you guys, you know, can allude to yourselves. You know, every day we wake up, back in our day, there was no guarantee that, you know, you're going to wake up the Cocoa Pops. It was, you know, a bit of bread and water sometimes or, you know, a bit of porridge or whatever it might have been. So to be able Beautiful. to help feed 
now that can't afford breakfast, um, you know, is something that I really sort of look back on now, and that's probably the thing that gives me the most joy at the moment. Right, on, mate. Well, that's uh, that's outstanding. This is off the bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench. The man in charge of the West Tigers premiership winning coach with the Rabbitohs not so long ago uh, and a former Raider and Ram. Mm. That's, um, some of our listeners mightn't realise he was uh, quite a talented player. Michael Maguire joining us. How are you, Madge? G'day, Madge. How are you, mate? How are you, Seth? Madge, really well, mate. We're very, very good. Um, well done on the weekend. Are you excited about what your players uh, tossed up in that trial against Manly? Oh, it was a good hit out, obviously. Uh, you know, it's nice to, to be able to put on plenty of the things that we practised um, throughout sort of the pre-season. But, you know, we know that it becomes a different ball game when you, you kick off on round one. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was a pleasing point that, uh, you know, we went out to, to put on our play that we practised and, you know, we got into a space where we could, uh, you know, put them on. But also knowing that, uh, you know, we probably weren't challenged as much as what a normal game would give you because... Um, now the the stats that we look at, I guess we had the ball in play for 45 minutes, and if you're comparing our game to a Penrith, say Parramatta game, they had the ball in play for 61 minutes. So I guess yeah. that's the coaching side that we look at is the you know the challenges that you have in a trial. So sometimes you just got to make sure you you realise what you're looking at. I was a I was a bit surprised by how well the team yeah seemed to look to go, and and you're looking at it from a different angle than us, but mostly because you got so many new players and you. New combinations and and so many players that have moved on, retired or released or or gone to other clubs from last year. It's a, there's been a big turnover at the Tigers, perhaps the biggest in any of any club in the comp. That's always going to make it difficult to get those combinations together, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's why when you look at the the game itself, you know, I was really pleased from that point of view. You know, we you do a lot of repetition at training and you sort of. You know, you look at what you want to achieve uh, and we're able to put a lot of the plays on that we've been practising. So, yeah, that was a, a real good uh, part that we can take out of that game there, Badge. Now, I was speaking in the intro, Madge, about some of your, your key signings and one of those is, is James Tamo. Now, you, affect, you, you got him to the club for a purpose is, and the reason was his professionalism, his experience. Is it showing in and around the group? Uh, definitely, Sats. He's um, he's been excellent, mate. Um, yeah, just a real down to earth um, fella, and yeah, just loves his footy. Uh, but sets really high standards, and you know, obviously, you know, a big part of bringing Jimmy to the, the club was for his leadership, and you know, we've seen that over the last twelve months and probably you know, three or four years that he's been at Penrith there, where he was able to really take a, a group of young men to the heights he did. So. Mm. Yeah, we've got a quite a younger crew. Uh, we've obviously been recruiting over the last 12 months, 16 months, some really good young talent. Um, and it's quite exciting from that point of view. But you also need to have some good people that can guide them in the directions that Jimmy has over his career. So uh, the boys really look up to him. Uh, and I was really pleased to announce him as captain. And I remember when uh, you know I sort of had the team there and you know, we were all in the room and I announced that to uh, the boys and... And all the boys jumped up and gave him a big hug. So I could sort of see that, you know, in such a short period of time, he's been able to have that impression on the players. So that says a lot about a person. Did you have to discuss it at length with your your other coaches around making a player that's in the first year at the club as captain, or was it a no-brainer? Well, uh, yeah, I put a lot of thought into it because at the end of the day, you know, I actually spoke to Jimmy about it when um, he first arrived and said, look, you know, that 
the opportunities and the things that he's done in the game. And uh, he said, look, give me some time. Um, you know, I want to be able to build myself within the group. And, you know, Jimmy came back to training prior to Christmas and all those sorts of little things that players recognise. He didn't have to, uh, but he chose to. Uh, and then, you know, just went about what he does at training. And you could just sort of sense from how he was in and around the group, it was uh, it was an easy choice for us. And uh, it looked really pleasing. And I think, you know, the, I've obviously created a bit of a leadership group around you and they're supporting and pushing. And uh, that's what you want from your, your teammates and team members, especially as a coach. Yeah, really important when you lose the likes of Chris, Chris Lawrence and uh, Benji Marshall and co, some, uh, some experience there. Hey, um, yeah. I was... I was in a little place called Iluka a few weeks ago uh, down in the uh, New South Wales mid-coast, maybe up towards the north coast, and a bloke sidled up to me in the pub and said, I'll tell you what, keep an eye on this young kid, Dane Laurie. He's from there. Uh, I know he, he played for Penrith. I think he was born there, but he, yeah, he played all of his junior footy in that area, and, gee, he, he's a talent. I'm, I bet you're, uh, you're happy that you signed him up pretty late. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been working on that for quite some time, and you understand that... Uh, you know, he's at Penrith and, you know, they, they didn't want to let him go uh, because of the player he is. And, you know, as a coach, you want depth. But uh, we were fortunate that um, he was able to, to come across to us and, you know, we saw little glimpses of what he's able to do and capable of doing um, throughout the trial. So looking forward to him growing combinations. And he's only been with the boys for, you know, a, a few weeks now. And just to see him in and around the group, you can just see he just chimes in. He's, he's a natural footballer. So looking forward to watching that grow amongst us uh, as a team. Yeah, beautiful. And look, another another back, and I like talking about the outside backs, and Sats has uh, got a big rap on him as I have, James Roberts. Uh, yeah, it's just so important to keep him happy because I've seen him play some great footy at different clubs, Titans, Broncos, Rabbitohs, but then there's times where he just looks like he doesn't want to be there or he's just not happy with himself or his footy. How, how do you plan to keep his footy and, he, and his, you know keep him on track and happy? Yeah, I think Jimmy's really taken ownership of that. You know, he understands where um, he's at with his footy. Uh, I think, uh, you know, probably over the last 12 months, he's he's probably been in and out of where he felt he needed to be and, and where he was at between uh, the years. But, you know, he's in a good place at the moment. And life's good and, you know, he understands that, you know, when those sorts of things are going well away from footy, that the footy becomes a really enjoyable piece. Um, and we all know what he's capable of. And, you know, he's, he wants to make sure that, he leaves a really good mark on what he does in the game. You know, you get opportunities in life and, you know, these ones are important for him now and he's got a beautiful young family and all those sorts of things. So it's a, an opportunity for him to really, you know, um, really strike it now with his game and, and his footy. Yeah, good. So I, I, I hope he gets back to the form we're yeah. used to seeing. Now, Madge, we asked some of our listeners to uh, send a question in to you and Michelle from Gilgandra says, guys, I heard Luciano Leilua is super fit, set for a big season yeah. pending injury. Now... I keep reading he's he's streamlined himself a little bit. He had a terrific 2020. How's he looking for this season? Yeah, good question for Michelle. Uh, he's he's looking really good. I think you know players recognise now that you know, there are the subtle changes in rules, which is as I just discussed before, is that the ball in play is something that the game wants. Um, and if you're not fit, you can't go the distance. And you know, a lot of players, I reckon, across the game have realised that, and Luch is one of them. And, you know, the, the fitter you are, the, the better you can play uh, whilst that ball's in play. And he's uh, really hard at his game, and he's actually grown, uh, you know, in that leadership space. And what I mean by that is, you know, he's really pushing hard for everyone to do well. Uh, it's not just about him, it's, it's about mm. the team, and those are the th- sorts of things that, 
not only is he in good nick, it's it's what he wants to do with his teammates. So uh, it's always a pleasing part that you have when you're a coach. What about, what is the new rules going to do to us? You just mentioned, you know, the uh, ball into touch, player into touch. It's a it's a restart, play the ball restart instead of a scrum. So effectively, ball in play a lot more, speeding it all up. Is it gonna is it going to be noticeably different for us again this year? Oh, I think it will. Madge. I reckon you'll probably see more fatigue, and you know when you talk about the ball in play, obviously you, you know as a as a team, if you're fit, uh, you can keep that ball in play, and you can tire out the opposition. So, you know, whilst that's going on, the the smaller man and uh, you know your halves can really come into the game, and that's where I think it's going to be very exciting this year. Is a challenge for the big man to be able to play the time he has to, and whilst that ball is in play, you're building fatigue in the opposition and. Uh, I think the the playing what's in front of you will play a little bit more part. What I mean by that is that you know the game can be very structured, but when fatigue's in play, there's defenders that are out of position. So guys will be able to look up and see space and play, and you know, really come up with some uh, ad lib type football. So you know, yeah. you've got to adapt as a coach around that, uh, and that's where the likes of someone like a Dane Laurie, uh, as we saw on the weekend, was able to you know, score a try. You know, quick play of the ball, sure enough, spots someone at dummy half, takes off and ends up under the post. So, yeah, the things that I think you'll see within the game uh, in and amongst the attack and mm. on the defensive side, you're going to see some people really challenged. You know, they're going to be under the pump and, you know, with the six again, you're going to get teams that, you know, at target one of the big men in the middle. It, he might be going through three tackles, but all of a sudden six again comes and he might face another three. So for the next five minutes, he's trying to find his lungs and his legs because he's so fatigued. So Yeah, it's going to be tough. Tougher again on those yeah. big blokes. Hey, are you uh, are you looking for the next Eric Sims, a bloke who can kick forty metre plus field goals <laughs> for two points? <laughs> I tell you what, it might be handy, badge. So uh, you know, a few of the boys have had a, a bit of a practice, but uh, I don't think I've seen too many go through. Uh-huh. So we need a little bit more practice here. Hey, Madge, uh, a, a young front row, a big young front row that's come over from Parramatta, big Stefano Yatoikamanu. Uh, will we see much of him early on in the season or still getting used uh, to the, yeah. the rigours of well, first grade? Well, I think we will, Brad. It's, it's a tricky one, mate, because a lot of players didn't play a lot of footy last year. Yeah. So, you know, it's finding where they're at. And because you can only play so many trials and time and all those sorts of things, yeah, I'm still learning about the players. Um, mm. The way he's ripped in a training, uh, look, I'm really excited for him. Uh, you know, he's he's another one that's sort of trimmed down a little bit. You know, being the bigger body, he understands where the game's going. So, uh, what I've seen of him in the trials, I think we're definitely going to see uh, a fair bit of him over the next few weeks. Uh, Madge, I'm always interested. You're the in... only person that can pronounce his name. You're Yeah. Mm. And Fasil Malawi. Yeah. Hey, uh, Madge, I'm always oh. interested to hear how uh, how coaches get inside the mind of a player. And even if they've played over 100 first-grade games, and there's, a, there's an unwanted stat that sits with Luke Brooks, which is the most amount of first-grade games without a finals appearance. Now, as a coach to a player who has played a lot of first-grade, now how do you continue to keep his head in the right space to lead a team without something like that affecting him? Oh, look, I think it does affect him. You know, it, of course, it, he's human. Uh, but also, too, he, he looks sideways and uh, at the team he's got now. And, you know, he's got a different forward pack. Uh, he's got some different halves. Uh, he's really taken ownership on what he wants to, how he wants to push the team around. So I always say, mate, it's a, it's a new year, you know. And what, when you bring new players to your team, there's going to be new combinations and new opportunities. So I think for, for Brooksy, it's... You know, it's a really exciting time for him, and it's a great challenge. Uh, you know, you've got to find ways where that 
um, inspires you to to go above and beyond. And I can tell you now, Luke Brooks is so passionate about the West Tigers. He's he just loves the club, um, and he wants nothing more than success for it. So if he keeps uh, pushing hard, and you know we keep pushing to the new heights, well, those sorts of rewards will come. Now, before we let you go, Madge, we're asking oh, our listeners. The heavy questions yeah, now. this is the big question. Now, <laughs> you're a fitness fanatic. You love to work hard. You love the players to work hard. Now, I'm sure there's some players this week that will have a few weakness foods before they start the season. We're asking our, our listeners, what's your weakness food? Mine's pizza and garlic bread. What's Michael Mine's McGuire's? ice cream. Oh, jeez. Um, I don't want a bit of chocolate every now and then. So, uh, yeah, just get a bit of sugar going. Uh, is that yeah. it? Every now and again, a bit of chocolate. You're yeah, a machine. Yeah, I'll have a bit of, uh, so, uh, oh, don't worry. A bit of pizza. You've got the kids eating pizza. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I still uh, enjoy a little bit of meals every now and then. So, uh, no, that's why you exercise when you get to our age, so you can eat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Oh, uh, one of the Cowboys stars, Kyle Felt. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. How are you guys going? We're going good. We're going good. It's always interesting to ask players. I think we get the same response every time, Sats, don't we? We know what the answer's going to be. Mm. How are you feeling personally after a big pre-season as you head into another year at the top level? If you say that you're the fittest you've ever been, we're going to hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say I'm a bit run down, to be honest. <laughs> the, older, the older you get, the harder it gets, so... That's what I figured. Did you uh, did you get you get special you get special um, dispensations from training as or extra weeks off because of your age and representative duties, all of that? Don't don't you now? It's all it's all uh, set in stone. Um, yeah, so you, they do look after a lot more once you play. I think it's um, seven or eight um, done seven or eight preseason NRL preseason. You start to get a few more weeks off, and um, they kind of look after you throughout the the week as well. So you miss. Um, I guess one day on your legs during the week, um, just go outside and they kind of look after you a little bit better. I read a, uh, an interview, Carl, with uh, Corey Jensen. He's saying the mentality has changed at the club. What do you mean by that? Um, just the way that, I guess, Toddy's brought in, um, the way that we want to approach, I guess, coming to training and um, just yeah, like our mental state is we change a lot. We want to more, more be more focused on our defence and... Um, that's mainly what our preseason's been based on, is like mainly defence and um, been in the game for quite a while now. And I don't think um, I've tackled as much as I have this mm. preseason, so it's um, going to be interesting to see how we go. You never hear a winger say that. No. Now uh, you talk about Toddy. Yeah, yeah Toddy, that fresh approach. Uh, personally, know him really well. Badge, you know him as well. What have you found refreshing from Toddy himself, just from a personality point of view? Yeah, he's. Um, very approachable, which is really good. It's good to have that now and a head coach as well. So um, I think the main thing he's trying to get across to us is that you can um, come and have a laugh at training, but as soon as we get on the paddock, it's business. And as soon as we've completed our training session, go back to having a laugh and enjoying your time being at the club, which we haven't really had in the past couple of years, and it kind of affected the way we played. And, um, yeah, he's just started to bring in a whole different culture, which is really good to see. Did he just say Paul Green was too serious at training sets? No, Did he, he just didn't say, say Green is too, too intense? Or? Nah. Well, the whole, club was under, <laughs> the, whole, the whole club was under a bit of pressure. They were the last couple Weren't of seasons. Cole? Yeah, and I think that's just like everyone was just real tense, and that's how I guess it was um, it was showing on the field as well. That's the way we are playing. We are playing real tense and not not really enjoying our football and, 
Yeah, it's, that's the way the whole club was. So what did you, and, and Todd Payton, the coach, all of you, what did you take out of that Broncos trial? Was it, uh, you're pretty pleased with it when the final hooter went or is it just, a, you know, like most people say, especially when they lose, it's a, it's just a trial. But having had a, had a good win, from, come back from behind, did you get much out of it? Um, I think we took a lot of our, like, our, resilience, our resilience in the second half. Um, I know we were down by, fair, I think, four points going into halftime or two points going into halftime. And um, Toddy just spoke about like, our defence and if we can hold them to one try in the second half, we'll come home and we'll back our fitness to beat them. And, um, and yeah, we were very... Um, we were kind of really brought into that and our... Um, resilience showed on the trial lines. They had a fair few shots, and then our completion as well. That's something we kind of took out of it, um, especially when the game was really going our way. We didn't really push as many passes as we should have, and um, he was pretty pleased about that. But there's still a lot of work to do. It mm. was only our first game, really. Now, as the one of the wingers, you have to form a really good and healthy relationship with your fullback, and also your your winger on the other side of the field on your side. Are you enjoying watching the battle between? Scotty Drinkwater and Val Holmes for that number one jersey. Yeah, it's um, it's very healthy to have in the club. It, I know, I know, it's given Toddy a headache, but it's um, it's something we haven't had in quite a while um, at our club, and it's it's um, yeah, like I said, it's very healthy for the competition and um, to keep everyone on their toes. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. Such a good year you had last year, and and almost culminated in that try scoring. Uh, trophy, the Dally M. Have you bought yourself an Alex Johnson voodoo doll for this year? Was, geez, that was that must have been heartbreaking. What did he score? Four or five tries in that last round. Yeah, somewhat. That was, yeah, it was a bit um, disappointing just knowing that I did have a, a pretty good year considering the way the team was going and whatnot. And um, yeah, it was was a little bit heartbreaking seeing Alex get the five tries or four or five tries in that last round, but. Um, that footy at the end of the day, that's what happens. Nothing's set in stone, so um, I, got, I got nothing wrong with that. I'm happy happy to come second, but this year I want to go one more better. Were you set on making that Origin debut last year? Unfortunately, injury uh, put a stop to that. How heartbreaking was that for you? Because I think we all agreed there was no doubt you were going to be there. Yeah, that um, that was something that was a, like a tough pill to swallow. It was, yeah, um, I guess... Any, that's every young kid's dream that plays footy. They want to play for the state and the country. And um, having to rule myself out was probably the hardest decision I've had to make in my rugby league career. So um, still to this day, I'm still filthy about it. But I'd rather look after my own well-being than mm. put my body through the way the pain that I was and um, risk cutting my career short. Yeah, no doubt at all. Well, maybe when um, the coaches read through your uh, your bio, they were a bit concerned about you when they read. Childhood celebrity crush Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Is that an origin that's, that's class? A little, that's, yeah. that's dark. That is dark. <laughs> well, not, yeah, it's just a little little something to make sure people actually really read my ah, my bio. So I there's thought, a few other things in there that aren't true, but so yeah, what about it's not sure true? Really oh, so what about the worst purchase? A drone? Is was that the worst purchase, or was that another furphy? Oh no, that, that, that's correct. That was from my wife. She um she told me that that I brought a that was a stupid waste of money, and um, Lingus, as every good husband does, they agree with their wife, and yeah, so. <laughs> well, you've got a good taste in comedians as well. Carl Barron, he's my favourite, so. He's good. Yeah, have you seen him live? 
Yeah, so he was up in Tampa not too long ago, and um, we were very fortunate enough to go go along and watch him, so it was pretty good. I, I saw him live a couple of years ago. I think we were in, down Newcastle. A- anyway, walked out. And he just stood there and looked around for about, I reckon, three minutes, and everyone's laughing. You can't, you just can't help laugh. But before he said a word, yeah, he's a pretty gawky. He's right. a gawky looking thing, he is. isn't he? Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, reading uh, Kyle with interest around uh, Roddy. Uh, I call him Rod Payton, of course. Todd Payton. Do you know why they call him Rod? Have you heard that yet or not? Uh, there's been a few little stories, but I don't know which is the correct one. Well, the not, correct so. one was he was in a bar in Canberra when he was only 18 years of age, and his mate got into a fight with someone in the one of the patrons, and they all went outside to finish it off. And the guy said, "All oh, you Canberra guys, you think you guys are all right? You guys aren't too bad, but it's you, Rod Payton. You're the one that thinks he's better than everyone else." <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, yeah, so that's that. We heard, I've heard that one, so I wasn't too sure if that one was the correct one, but yeah. You know, Confirmation. That's good. Yeah. So, um, so Toddy Payton talking about Jason Taumalolo and and the minutes and how he's going to try and minimise his minutes. Now, as a player who's on the field and they see how destructive he is, what's the mindset of the team when he leaves the field? Is that something you guys have got to get over that you just can't rely on Jason to be out there all the time? Yeah, and that's something that um, Toddy brought up as a very one of the first things he said when he came to the club is that he's going to reduce Jason's minutes and play him as more of an impact kind of player and get the best out of him instead of just really, I guess, making him work for so long and his work goes a bit sloppy. Um, and when he does go off, it's up to the like your bench forwards that come on and they really got to step up and fill that void. And um, our bench at the moment with Frank Molo there, he's, mm. he's another impact player that we can really, um, I guess, get good value out of with Jace going off and whatnot. So... Um, yeah, I think Frankie's going to be up for the task to jump in there and really fill it in. Well, I'm, I've just looked at the draw, and, and you, what a tough um, start it is for you against the Panthers at Penrith next Saturday or Saturday week, uh, round one, and a, a side with uh, some big expectations around it. Do you, when do you start looking uh, ahead at that game? Yeah, like you said, we do have a very tough start to the year, especially the first, first game. Um, Going down to Penrith, I know it's not not ideal to play at Penrith at the foot of the mountains. Then um, I guess we won't probably won't get the rub of the green. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Like there's a lot of stuff that could go against us and whatnot. But I think we're really looking forward to it. And um, I know Penrith will be out to prove a point after the way they finished last year as well. So um, we just got to really go in with an open mind. And I think that'll all start Monday when we get back after the weekend. And Toddy's just going to tell us to go away and on this weekend and just refresh because our last weekend off for quite a while so um, just go away refresh and come back Monday ready to go to get the job done. What will you do? Barramundi fishing? What What, what are you going to do on the weekend <laughs> off? So I got a little um, little retreat for me and my wife so it's our little makeshift honeymoon because we just missed out because of all this COVID stuff we couldn't go anywhere nice. so we're heading up to the tablelands to go to some treetop. I, think say, so I bought a little retreat called Hamilton Island but yeah <laughs> See the new age rugby. I don't get paid that much. The new age rugby league player. Yeah, goes away on a romantic retreat. Back in your day, Badge, when you had a weekend off, what you do? All the boys jumped on a bus and disappeared for yeah, three days. Got away from our partners. Yeah, they sent <laughs> us away. Actually, anyway. my wife still does that. This is off the bench. Welcome back to off the bench. Jared Wallace, thanks for joining us on Sports Day, Jared. Nah, cheers for having me, gentlemen. I appreciate you. 
Now, it's a shortened pre-season, of course, and we keep hearing from a lot of the NRL players that it was a pretty tough pre-season. Was it no different at the Gold Coast this year? Mate, it was actually, uh, it's been really good. It was good to only have, uh, you know, a couple of, we only had, the older boys only had about three weeks before Christmas, which was really good. Usually we go back November 1, mm. and it's about 12 weeks before Christmas, so it's usually a, you know, a pretty long struggle, you know, grind that, um, you know, before Christmas, but then to get another eight or eight or ten weeks after Christmas, you know, you, you're kind of peaking pretty early, but they did a really good job this year, and they cut it back, and made sure everyone was fresh and, um, you know, I think everyone's kind of peaking at the right time. You know, we've got a week now going into the bye. We've got a weekend off and things like that. And then um, it'll be just good to obviously, you know, not be um, feeling the effects of preseason and being nice and fresh and, and raring to go. One trial, do you like it? No, not for oh, – not me as a big boy. I think, you know, big boys need to probably play – you know, two, I reckon. Like, mm-hmm. um, I reckon to try and get, you know, you, you can't get that same uh, game fitness stats, you know, that. Like, yep. you can run all day on the park and you can be the, um, you know, the leader in the, the conditioning, which obviously I am. Um, <laughs> but you, <laughs> you, um, you need to obviously play games to get that fitness. And I think as a, as a big boy or a middle player, you, you, I reckon you probably need two under your belt because then, you you know, you go into that week off, refresh uh, the body and then go into round one. One thing that happens in the pre-season, especially when you've got a bunch of new players at your club, and you've got that at the Titans, um, there's some competition for spots and mm. you wouldn't know much about some of the guys. I know you know of them, but maybe you didn't know them that well. But anyone surprised you? I'll tell you what, that pack, when, I go, when you go through that pack that you've already got plus David Fafita, Tino, Big Tino, Herman Essiesi, Sam McIntyre. It's going to be a yeah. lot of jostling for positions. How did they all line up, you know, with the, the, the training regime? And anyone surprise you there? No, really good, mate, actually. So, like, the name that you said, Sam McIntyre, he's been really good, actually. Good I've never seen him play. Yeah, I've never seen him play or play against him. So he's been fantastic. Yeah, you know, He can probably play a bit of edge, too, play on the, in the middle. So... He's come in and he's, you know, he's tore in and done a, a really good job. And he's fit in really well. Um, you know, young Toby Sexton, a, a young halfback. You know, he was with us late last year, um, you know, just as a training trial. But he's been fantastic too. You know, he's one of the fittest that we've got in the team. Um, you know, for such a young kid, he leads the team around really well in at training. So, you know, he could be, uh, you know, a potential, you know, if we lose a couple of injuries or something like that. I think he'll be fantastic. And, mm. you know, like you said before, our experience is, it's fantastic. And I think that's what we've lacked at the Titans the last few years is when our, you know, our starting kind of 13 or 18 players, if we'd lose one or two, we'd really have to, you know, dig deep into guys that had not played NRL before. Mm. And, um, you know, probably even guys that weren't quite ready, but they just had to, you know, take that leap of faith early because we just didn't have the experience or the depth that we have. But that's where we're building nicely. And I think, um, you know, the, that's what's really changed the last probably year, year and a half, you know, in the the training that we do. Everyone's working hard. And, you know, you've seen Justin last year. He wasn't scared to drop a big, you know, a few big names, including myself. Um, you know, when I had my injury and things like that, and I wasn't performing, you know, he just sent me back and, and told me to get fit. You know, Nathan Peets, um, Shannon Boyd, you know, he wasn't scared to make those those changes. So I think it put everyone 
on show and, you know, made them start being a bit more accountable and said, you know, if you don't want to be here and do what we're, uh, you know, building, well, you know, there's another club for you. There you have it. Uh, Jared Wallace being honest uh, about Justin Holbrook at the Titans here on Off the Bench. Uh, that's it for a- another weekend. I hope you enjoy it. Look, it's the last weekend before the footy kicks off. What are you going to do? I suppose you've got to get those lawns mowed and all that sort of stuff before the footy kicks off next week. Hey, Badge and Sats will be back with Sports Day on Monday night as we count down to round one of the NRL season for 2021, which kicks off Thursday night with the Rabbits and the Storm. Catch you next week.